0: Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dubin, your host... Hey, thanks for joining us here on the program. We come your way each week, uh, Saturdays, 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific Time. We stream live at richarddugan.com and newspress.com. We are rebroadcast on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time uh, on a fm and other times throughout the week. And we archive these programs at richarddugan.com, the radio show's page. Lots of opportunities, as I tell you every week, uh, to listen to the programs. We link to our guests on the website. When you go to the radio show's page, uh, the link... Uh, with their name or the title of their book, whatever that information is in the middle column, that's the link to take you to their website. So we encourage you to do that. And uh, we uh, encourage you to uh, go to their websites and check out their information. I think that you're going to find that it is um, it is great fun. And uh, we um, ask you to join us each week and to take the information in. It's like a smorgasbord. And so... There you go. I'm Richard Dugan, and my guest today is special guest. We're going to talk healing today. We're going to talk about the Lightworkers Healing Method. Be who your soul wants you to be, and my guest is Lynn McGonigal. Lynn, welcome to the program. It's a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks, Richard.
1: Wonderful to be here.
0: Now, we've had folks here talking about all kinds of different healing modalities. I happen to be a, um, a third-level Reiki master and uh, going back, wow, back into the, I'm going to say into the late 90s, before the turn of the century. Kind of weird to even say that. Only being 53, I, I should be an old man and talking about the turn of the century. But that's kind of what we're talking about in a manner of speaking is is that longevity aspect that, um, that we're talking about. Give us a quick synopsis of Lynn McGonigal and how in the world you got to this space where you've put out this great piece. Hmm.
1: Well, I would like to start by saying I used to live by society's rules. I, I had a, a more traditional career. I did well in school. I ran my own business. I was a, a, a CPA. I worked in business uh, at, for 20 years. I had a full family life. I was very involved in my community. I was living uh, the lifestyle that society says we should live. I had plenty of love and plenty of money, plenty of companionship. And then my life turned upside down. Uh, it started when my brother, who I, I loved dearly, uh, died. And, uh, and then I was disabled later on with a supposedly incurable disease, and suddenly those rules, society's rules, weren't working for me anymore. Because of those things happening in my life, those challenges. And with my dead brother's help, I actually learned how to get all the way through the astral planes and into the higher dimensions to where the guides and the angels and the healing light beings are. Most people, everybody that I know of who hasn't studied with with us in our system refers to the light beings as angels, and I did too, until they said to me, we aren't angels. It's kind of like if you call a Greek person Italian and they yes. say, look, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Greek. Get it right. I uh, hear you. So, that was in 1991 that I met, that I made it through the astral planes and into the higher dimensions, and met the guides and the angels and the light beings, and they they took me under their wing and started very patiently and so lovingly teaching me this system of angelically guided, multidimensional energy healing that we now call the Lightworker's Healing Method. And it's not like I started out fast, Richard. I started out slowly. Mm -hmm. But then I discovered people were healing from things that were impossible for them to heal from, incurable diseases like arthritis and lupus and phobias and cancers, and what's more, remember disabled me? I was healing at the same time. So I realized something truly remarkable is going on here, and it it definitely isn't me. I can't make miracles happen, but miracles were definitely happening around me. So here, with hindsight, it's easier to understand what's going on. At the time, it it was very shocking to me, but here's what's going on. We're all spiritual beings having a human experience. That's a phrase that many people are familiar with now. But it means that our souls have a plan for our lives before we're born. We know there are going to be challenges, but as souls, we expect to win. And then we're born, and it's harder than we thought it was going to be. And so many people are suffering. They're really sad. They don't know why. Sometimes they're even sick, physically ill, like I was. And our society isn't telling them, look, it's because you aren't living the life you meant to live. So here's the bottom line. We all have wise, loving beings who are connected with us know everything about us, and love us unconditionally. It doesn't matter what we call them. We can call them guardian angels. We can call them spirit guides. We can call them something else. Labels don't matter. What matters is that they're here for us and for everyone, and that it's natural to connect with them. And once we do, we can receive help and guidance, both to heal others and also to heal ourselves. And as we start to come back into alignment with our soul's plan, our lives start to work. And so what I do is channel higher dimension healers, and I teach other people to do the same thing. And when we learn to be channels for higher dimension healers, miracles happen in our presence and in our lives. This is a learnable, teachable skill. It isn't a gift. This is a common confusion people have when they hear what I do. They say, oh, you have a gift. No, no. I have a skill set. We can all learn this. You can learn to be who your soul came here to be and help others do the same. That's what we do here at the Lightworkers Healing Method. We teach people to channel higher dimension healing.
0: Now, it's interesting that you put it in that context uh, about, I'm going to say, 20, maybe 25 years ago. I was working for a Christian radio station, as I've shared this story with our listeners before, so I'll I'll sort of keep it brief, not to bore them, but to let you know that at that time I was legally blind, and they would come up to me and they say, I want to lay hands on you to restore your healing. Now, the word restore to me meant they would take my eyesight back to the way it was when I came into this world, which wasn't going to be a good thing because (laughs) I had numerous surgeries. In any event, I said, uh, I appreciate it, but God knows where I am. He can even call collect. I'll take the call. Uh, But my purpose in this life is not to be healed. My purpose in this life is to do the work that I'm doing. Now, your purpose in life, Lynn, is... To heal. That is what you're here to do. And if people come to you seeking that, wonderful thing, and that's terrific. But Actually,
1: I- my purpose, Richard, not to not to interrupt, but to correct, the my purpose is to teach other people, to teach other people how to heal. Me doing it, I've worked with this for 23 years. Mm-hmm. I loved my life as a healer, but that's not my purpose. My purpose is to teach others. One healer, no matter how gifted, right. can only do so much. It takes a number of people taking this out into the world to have a real impact. My
0: purpose is to teach. Absolutely, I understand the. I understand, and and I think that that's something very important too. That people need to need to grasp is really knowing. I mean, defining what their purpose is, getting in touch with that, and and uh, uh, through the process of of healing, those those are those would be considered the, the blocks or barriers, uh, would would they not, to uh, being able to uh, know what it is that you're supposed to be doing in this world?
1: Well, actually, I view the, the challenges, quote unquote, as the signals or the clues. They're like the press here buttons in a person's life. So here's here's how the, the Lightworkers Healing Method sessions work. Is that the client walks in the door? We ask them, "What are your intentions for this work? What you were going to the higher dimensions? Everything is possible. Nothing's off limits. It works on everything: physical stuff, mental things, emotional things, financial things, spiritual things, interpersonal things." the stuff of life is on the table. Today, my friend, what is it you want to work with? So they'll say, my knees bothering me, my eyesight isn't good, and um, I want to, you know, something else. I ask for people to put three to five intentions on the table because often they interact, mm. and then we can get to the root cause. You see, so three to five intera- issues is a good number. So those buttons are press here buttons. I go with my client, open, I become one with my client, I merge in with them, I dissolve myself, become one with them, put the focus up to the guides and angels, and start to open up for healing to occur. And what happens is that uh, a combination of energy shifting and messages will come, and what the guides want, what a person's guides, guardian angels, whatever you want to call those guides. What they want is to have that person live their soul plan to be who their souls want them to be. You see, they're not interested in manipulating energy. They're interested in supporting their person and living their full and best life. Mm. So we go into the session with that intention. Our intention is to align this person with their soul plan, knowing that probably it doesn't include knee pain, problems with eyesight, etc. And then we start to work. And who knows what's going to come up. Every session is unique. Every person is individual. But something comes up. And as we work to bring people back into alignment with their soul's plan, their lives start to work. These issues start to resolve. Impossible things happen because what we're doing is not trying to make the symptoms stop. For example, we're not trying to heal your eyesight. What I'm trying to do is get to whatever it is the problems with the eyesight represent. They right. represent something. Mm-hmm. And as we do that, kind of as a side effect almost, the eyesight heals.
0: Mm. Yeah, does,
1: does that make sense? It, that,
0: oh, it makes absolutely perfect sense. Uh, it's and if I can understand that, I know our listeners can too. Uh, this is uh, to me, this is fascinating because um, we're 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 talking about a, a higher level modality, and I want to get into that. Uh, but certainly, we have a couple of elements going on, a, a couple of things happening here. We have the individual who has the dis-ease, if you will, needing the healing, whatever it may be. Uh, your your focus as a, a healer and or a teacher, either however you want to 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 put that is, is as you as you I think clearly stated is not to heal the symptom. I mean that is what it is, the eyesight in this case it that's a symptom, yeah. And so we don't treat the symptom. Uh, yeah. We've been doing that in modern medicine for too long, right? And and then the other uh, third element, in a manner of speaking, is the source of the information. Now. Uh, You know, as I said, uh, you know, being a Reiki master and and I I know about uh, many other modalities that are out there, many other ways of determining what's what's good and not good for me. But you in the just in the title of the book, and this is an area I would like to to dive into, uh, have focused on uh, the lightworkers healing method and the source of the information, the source of the 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 guided healing work uh, isn't coming from you. And it is not coming from a specific set of books up on the shelf here. Can we talk about the source of this information uh, as you being the founder, as well as the teaching uh, channel of the Lightworkers uh, Healing Method?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And Richard, thank you for opening this door. Uh, And just to say a little bit more about my background. Yes, I had a 20-year career in business. But uh, then with my challenges, I had—I got sick. And my background, of, you know, my frame of reference was Western medicine. My dad's a doctor. He's a Western medical doctor. And so I started with Western medicine. And what they said for me is, what you have is incurable. You won't die from it, but you'll wish you did. You wish you did. So that was cheerful and charming. So I basically got very clearly that they couldn't help me. And so I left Western medicine, and I started on an exploration to try to get well because I was sick. And so I I started with chiropractic. That was a real walk on the wild side for me at the time. (laughs) And then acupuncture and Reiki and pranic healing and therapeutic touch and rolfing and raw foods and juicing and fasting and yoga and hot yoga and everything. Richard, everything. And finally I went back to my guides because I already had a really well-developed relationship with him. I just didn't understand what it was for. They had been teaching me cool energy tricks, quote-unquote, and I didn't understand that it came together to form a healing system. So when I finally, I was just like breaking down, you see. My life was falling apart I had fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue. Fibromyalgia is a disease of mental confusion which is the kiss of death for a CPA. Chronic fatigue, chronic pain. So I said to my guides, "What what is it? What is it I'm supposed to learn from this lesson?" And they said, "Look, you can use the things we've taught you. Come on, let's do this. We'll get well." And I before then hadn't been treating it with respect. You see, I was treating it lightly like some fun game or entertainment rather than something with deep meaning. And then all of a sudden when your life, you know, when your life is on the table, things look different. And so within a matter of months I was up and engaged with the world again I can't say that I was really on track but I was engaged with the world again and then I started working with others, people outside of my family because when it comes to working on ourselves we have what I call the DDD the dilemma of delusion and denial it's so hard to see our own stuff, it's so much easier to see everybody else's own stuff, you're married think how it is, you can see what your spouse's issues are so much better than she can see for herself, you know, it's just how we all are, that's not, I don't know your wife, it's no comment about your wife, it's a comment about the, the, the way things are, you see, so we're all that way, we're all that way. So when we start to work with almost total strangers, we don't have that DDD. We don't have the dilemma of delusion and denial. And in this system, we let go of the idea that there are any barriers between us. I have to tell you that when my guides started to want me to teach, they sent me to learn all these other healing modalities, which at the time was very confusing for me because I thought I already know how to heal but they sent me, I'm a Reiki master in three different lineages, I've taught Reiki, I've been all the way through the entire pranic healing curriculum, I've been through the reconnective healing curriculum, I've taken, I've ta- you know, all these things I've learned, and I was learning them so that I could see see what else was out there and so that I could help people who already had those healing modalities under their belt make this transition because this is a different way we're as you put it not looking to a book for answers as many other fine modalities do and everything has a niche and I'm not bashing anything uh, everything has its place different people respond to different things but in this modality we the healers dissolve ourselves, become one with our client. We don't hold on to that idea of maintaining barriers. We release the idea that there is such a thing as a difference, that there's truly only one of us here. We're all parts of source, you see? And so we become one with our client, and through this system of blasting through the astral planes, which, is, which requires divine assistance, but luckily that's there, we connect with the guides. We don't look to the body for answers, especially if the trauma started in another life. The body doesn't know. And think how it feels to be asked a question that you don't know the answer to. It doesn't feel good. And so when we ask, for example, in the body talk modality, another excellent modality, I'm not bashing it, you see, body talk reaches to the wisdom of the body body talk practitioners ask the body itself what do you need what's wrong with you and often that will work very well you see because if the if the situation arose in the current life the body might know how to address it and so many things can be resolved with that but from this perspective from a wider perspective a deeper more inner perspective we're working to heal the soul every soul came into its body for a reason, for a purpose, something it wanted to learn, something it wanted to grow in. Lots of somethings, usually between six six or so. Six is the average number of what I call uh, bullet points on a life plan, top-level goals. I want to work with a uh, 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 being more compassionate or more patient. I want to have more strength. I want to have more endurance. Those are top-level goals. And then, of course, the details of the plan can morph because there's a free will dance going on. But at the top level, the soul knows what it wants. The life set up is there so the person can work with his or her issues. So let's take the situation of being born with extremely poor eyesight. That was for a reason, and the reason wasn't to punish you. It's never for punishment. These ideas get twisted around, like karma, for example. The discussion about karma is so twisted as to be losing its its helpfulness almost. It's never to punish us. It's always from love. Our guides love us so much. And we, as souls, work with our guides to form a plan that will be what we need most as souls to learn and grow so that we're just taking the example of eyesight poor eyesight it's for a reason now maybe the reason is to heal traumas that happened in past lives maybe it's important to have something significant in the current life that draws your focus to that situation so that you can deal with with the past. I don't know. Maybe it's to open you up to seeing the future. I don't know. Maybe it's to open you up to seeing the deeper truth. Every person's situation is unique, and it is absolutely impossible for me to give any kind of generic statement about what different things mean. But what I can say is everything means something, and your guides are the most clear source of information that's accessible to us in our conscious mind, we don't know we have the DDD, the dilemma of delusion and denial, if we knew what was up, we would have healed it we would have healed it So we don't know. It's okay. The body knows some things, and modalities like body talk access the wisdom of the body, and that's powerful, and I'm not bashing that. Don't get me wrong. Hypnosis accesses the wisdom of the subconscious, and that's powerful too, and I'm not bashing that. I have a 12-year career in hypnosis that I've run concurrently with my healing career, and it's taught me a lot of things about how the mind works, different levels of the mind. So I'm not bashing that either. The higher soul is a source of information. But Richard, think about this. When we die, our souls leave our body because it's dead. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it goes to source. It goes back home. You see, we're in the higher dimensions. We're not going to beat the higher dimensions as a healing experience. That's the highest possible healing experience we can have. We're... (laughs) We're with Source. We're with the angels. We're with the guides. If it was going to, if we have a past life trauma, past life injury that is shown in the current life, it didn't heal when the soul went to Source. It's not. <laughs> There's nothing that the higher soul knows how to do to heal it, or it would have been healed when the higher soul was out of body. What this is is something that's beyond our individual wisdom as a human. It's not in our conscious mind. It's not in our subconscious mind. It's not in our body. It's not in our higher soul. We have to look to the next level up. We have to look to our teachers, to the guides, and say, Help me here. Help me here. What's up with this? So it's really hard to do this for ourselves, although I teach, people, I teach my students how to do it for themselves to mm-hmm. the best of their abilities. But I, what I really teach is for my students to work with other people, help each other, and in so doing, we help ourselves in the deepest possible way. I'll circle around to that, the paradox of simultaneous healing. But the point is that when you work with a skilled facilitator, and this is a skill set, It is not a gift. People think it's a gift. It's a teachable, learnable skill. When you work with a skilled facilitator, the skilled facilitator knows how to open the channels to the guides, discover what's up, Shift the energy, remove the energy traumas, draw in missing energy if that's what's going on, align the life path if that's what's going on, work with the soul contract if that's what's going on, connect with a future life where there's mastery of the current moment if that's what's going on. we don't decide any of this, always the healing practitioner do we dissolve the boundaries that are artificial anyway we become one with the healing subject we open up to their guides not our own guides to their guides ask what is it that this person needs to resolve these issues whatever the root cause is of these issues whatever these issues are pointing to in the soul plan and well, we follow direction.
0: yes well, it, it's uh, something that we want to continue talking about. And I want to also want to find out a little bit more about uh, you and your background, um, even uh, prior to uh, being a number cruncher uh, at an accounting firm back in the early 90s. I'm Richard Dugan. This is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We want you to stay with us as we continue talking with Lynn McGonigal. And, of course, uh, you can go to her website, which just so happens to be Light Workers Method. That's lightworkersmethod.com. Lynn McGonigal is my guest, the uh, author of the book, The Lightworkers' Healing Method Be What Your Soul Wants You to Be. We ask you to stay right where you are. Tell me your stories. Tell Me Your Story is the name of the program. My name is Richard Dugan. I'm your host, and my guest is Lynn McGonigal, author of The Lightworkers Healing Method, or uh, LHM, if you will. She teaches this method to you. If you'd like to learn it, you can go to her website, lightworkersmethod.com. You can find out about the book as well. And uh, it's good to have you on the program today, Lynn, and thank you for staying with us. Uh, I would like to be—and and this, I this—I'm curious about— Your religious and spiritual upbringing, uh, because obviously you came into this whole healing process and then subsequently learning to teach this. As a matter of fact, you were, you weren't just prompted, you were um, (laughs) uh, almost... Pushed off the cliff. Pushed off the cliff by the guides, <laughs> by your guides, to say, "Look, you know, we didn't just give this to you for you. We gave this to you because we wanted you to pass it along and teach people how to do this. Because it's possible for all of us to learn to do this." Uh, so, where, where are you? Where, uh, where were you coming from prior to this wonderful information coming to you? Even prior to uh, your uh, work uh, as a CPA.
1: Well, my my childhood religious upbringing was kind of convoluted. Uh, my dad was raised Catholic and my mom was raised Methodist. And uh, my dad blatantly did not believe uh, what Catholicism uh, preached. And my mom wanted to, she wanted to believe what the Methodist Church said. But... <laughs> I remember this moment when I was about 12 years old sitting in church and I started to realize these people want to believe it but that isn't the same as actually believing it. It isn't the same as actually believing it. (sighs) So... At that point, it actually, what triggered it, I had a moment, w- I don't know if you know Methodist churches, but they have these things called responsive readings where the minister says something, and then w- the congregation reads our part. They tell us what our lines are. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: we, we aren't supposed to be able to figure out what our lines are for ourselves. They're going to tell us <laughs> for us what we think. <laughs> so the um, our line, I don't remember the minister's prompt. I just remember our line because it was one of those moments where time slowed down. And everything got really clear. And our line was, we are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs from under your table. And I looked at those words on the page, and I thought to myself, I don't know what the truth is, but that's not it. And I shut the book, and I was done, done, with religion at that point in time. And at that point in time, religion to me meant, Christianity, and particularly the Methodist Church. And so I was just done with it. And I thought, I don't know what it is, but that's not it. And then I started looking around, and I realized that my dad, who clearly was the one running the show in our household, uh, did not believe in any God. And I thought, okay, well, you know, I'm going to take that now as my working theory. There is no God, or, or at least I have no reason to believe that there is a God. Uh, you know, there's no proof of that. And I, uh, my first two-and-a-half years of college were, as a chemistry major, I was a science, you know, I had six chemistry classes, three physics classes, three calculus classes, several other types of statistics and science uh, classes. You know, my, my background was heavily scientific. And, uh, And then I went into business, and I wasn't crunching numbers at somebody else's firm. I started my career with Pricewaterhouse, which I don't know if you know accounting firms, but it was at the time the number one firm in the world. Mm -hmm. I was the controller of a $200 million manufacturing company, and then I was a partner in a CPA firm. And so I was a high-pressure business person, not you know, what people think of when they think of the CPA. And that's where I was coming from. I had that kind of hard shell on. I assure you, I never cried at that stage of my life. I never cried. And then my brother, who had had cancer when he was a teenager, uh, had a heart attack because of the cancer treatment, Uh, Western medicine gave him a heart attack and they didn't recognize it and didn't treat it and he had to have a heart transplant and it was this long, horrible, terrible, torturing way for him to die. And before he died, he had a death and revival experience and it wasn't a classic go-to-the-light experience, but he knew he was aware even though he could hear the doctor saying that he was dead. And so when he came back into his body, he promised me something. He said, you know, we." he told me what had happened, and he said, if there's something after death, and if I can come back and tell you about it, I will. So, of course, he did keep his promise, or we wouldn't be having this conversation <laughs> today. <laughs> he did.
0: Well, the... the uh, It's interesting uh, the conclusions that you came to, uh, especially in the church, because I I actually struggled with those kinds of things when I was working for those fifteen years at the religious radio station. That just a lot of this stuff just did not make any sense to me. It's like it, uh, and and especially the whole business about us, uh, like what you just quoted from from the responses, is that we're not worthy of uh, the crumbs under the table, you know. And I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. But the Creator or Father or God, or whatever you want to call him, created us right and he loves us and and if that was the case, then we had to have had value long before any of this stuff to two thousand or more years ago ever happened. I mean, this again, based upon that particular paradigm and and so I just couldn't buy into this business of us being nothing but lowly worms, you know, less right. than less than human and so forth. It just didn't make any sense. And uh, so, um, you know, I did kind of the same thing that you did. Now, you, you talk about your, your uh, brother's experience, uh, his death and then re- rebirth, if you will, or a revival uh, before his final passing. And, and that's another subject that, that I enjoy conversing about because when I hear of individuals, whether I know them or not, most of the time when I hear about their, their passing— my first thought is, I wonder what they're experiencing. What are they, what are they doing, feeling, seeing, hearing, tasting, smelling, and so forth? What's happening? And I've always wanted to travel along in the sidecar and then come back. That, of course, isn't possible. That's in that sense. Yes, it
1: is. Yes, it is. Really? Yes, it is. One, I alluded to my 12 year career Mm -hmm. in hypnosis right i've been a practitioner in the michael newton school of life between lives hypnosis Mm -hmm. for 12 years that's my only interest i don't have any interest in standard hypnosis Stopping smoking, you know, there are better ways of dealing with that. Look, I have a healing method that works a lot better than (laughs) hypnosis. But because the smoking means something, you see? Let's ignore the smoking symptom and go for what the smoking is pointing to. But with regard to experiencing death, in the life-between-lives technique, and I don't use Michael's standard techniques anymore, but I use this aspect of it, the first, the easiest thing to do is to go back into a past life. And so we find a past life, we do a past life regression basically first, and there are gems everywhere, so we get the blessings of that experience while we're walking through the life. But then, Richard, that body is a, is going to die. It's a past life because someone died. So then we can take these people through the death experience, and they can see how, while whatever happened before death might have been a total bummer, don't get me wrong, as soon as we're dead, it changes. It changes. It starts to lighten up, and as we go higher, 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 it gets lighter and lighter, and then we, we cross the through the barrier, we make it through the astral planes, and it's a pivotal moment, and I'd like to talk about what that barrier is because I understand it a lot better now than I did 10 or 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. But when we pass through that, then we have come to a space where truth and love are the predominant vibrations, and we can heal now. We can only heal certain things things that wounds that happened in uh, bodies some of them can be spontaneously healed in the higher dimensions but others can't and when I say wounds I mean wounds of all kinds emotional wounds spiritual wounds etc many of them have to be healed in the physical dimension where they originated that's where this work comes in
0: hmm. well it's uh, like I said it's a subject that I uh, I I enjoy talking with people about. I've had incredible interviews with people who have have experienced the the out of body experience where they're not dying but still they have that that uh that incredible um observational view if you will. And it is quite extraordinary and of course, you know, I uh, <clears throat> I find it interesting when talking about this subject, especially I had a pr- a woman on not too long ago, she born again Christian and so forth and And um, and yet in the Bible, you know, it says, you know, it is appointed man once to die and then the judgment. And yet in the Bible, it makes reference to Lazarus dying and Jesus brings him back to life. So we got into conversation about that and that the word dying in that passage, it's not what that word meant in the original languages. So now you're you're starting to get into an area where you want to understand, but you can't because the words don't mean what they say. Right. And so I've often I've often put it this way, look, you know, say what you mean and mean what you say. And if that's not what it means, then why does it say that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we understand what the definitions mean of these given words. And so we put that definition onto that word. Oh, but that's not the word that was intended. Well, then why do they translate it like this? That's well, the struggle that we go through in this life, in this day and time, in terms of trying to understand someone's experience. Yes.
1: I agree, and think about that uh, childhood game, the whispering game, where one person oh, has yes. a story and they whisper, it, and by the time it gets to the fifth person, mm. it's unrecognizable. And so let's just say that the people who translated the Bible had only good intentions. Mm. Let's just put aside any thoughts of maybe they were trying to consolidate power in the Church.
0: or all these other things, right. And
1: all these other things, and let's say it was just from good intentions. But look how hard that is. Yeah. For example, let's take the word tiempo in Spanish. I don't know if you speak Spanish, but there's this word tiempo, and it's translated, it means both weather and time. In English, it means both weather and time. Now, in our language, those are two entirely separate concepts, but in the Spanish mind, it just means kind of like the ambient environment. ¿Cuál es el tiempo? hmm And so those, you know, things don't translate directly always. Yeah.
0: And that's why we really can use the help of those guides that each one of us has. Can we talk a little bit about our individual guides? And again, it is usually plural. It's not just one. We don't have one guide or one guardian angel and so forth. Um, is, Is there a method by which... We can learn to tap into th- their voices and hearing them because I, we talk a lot about the, 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 our, the gut feeling or the, the still small voice, our intuition and whatever other names you want to put up. But that's our higher self. That's, that's us communicating, so to speak, with ourselves, with our soul, if you will.
1: Yes.
0: But these guides are something different.
1: Yes, they're different. They're different, and they have the objective viewpoint, plus they're enlightened beings. Look, they aren't incarnating anymore, you see? They're way ahead of us in the process. So there are many different ways, and in the classes, obviously, the first weekend, the, first, the level one workshop, level one, the foundation, is fundamentally Devoted to how to hold your energy body in such a way that you can tap into the guides so that you can become an open channel like a straw for them to blow through. However, just here in daily life, friends, there's so much we can do. Here's the first thing to do take it as your working theory that your guides are there. Think about it. Most of us are going through life with the other theory. Most of us are living as if they are not there. We're not engaging with them in any way, mostly, right? So just flip it around. Say, okay, now I'm going to assume my guides are there. And I can't hear or see them yet. Yet. That's the magic word. Yet. Uh But I'm going to act as if they're there. I'm just going to take it as my working theory and I'm going to test it. So then we just kind of like literally look up, turn your head up, look up. They're up. That's where they are is up there and say, okay, if you're here, send me a sign. Send me a sign. And then, your guides have been waiting all your life for that moment. Trust me on this, friends. They will send you something. Now comes our part. Don't explain it away. Don't say, oh, that was just the wind. Oh, that was just a coincidence. Say to your guides, if that was a sign, I noticed it. Will you send me another? They will. And then notice it and don't explain it away. Don't explain it away. It's so tempting to explain it away because this is a shift of worldview, a change of paradigm. And that can be scary. Even though it's good, it's also scary if you think about it. It's like the Santa Claus song, you know. They see you when you're sleepy. He knows when you're awake. They're always watching. They're watching us with love. But some people can get a little, you know, they want their privacy so that when they're doing something they think God, quote unquote, won't approve of, they don't want anybody watching them. But the pr- truth is this our guides know everything that we're doing, that we're saying, that we're thinking. There's no point in trying to hide it from them because we can't. And they love us so much anyway. There's so much unconditional love. And so when we start to engage with them and we start to realize they're really there and then we start to be able to ask them the show-me-what-to-do questions and learn how to read the signs in our life until the subtle senses turn on and they will turn on. We start with where we are, we work with where we, what we have, we do what we can. And so if all we can do right now is read life signals, by golly, we can get good at that.
0: Mm. Well, one of my philosophies ever since I've gotten into this business uh, almost over 30 years ago is work with what you have until you get what you want. Now, if you verbalize what it is that you want, eventually you will get it, and I've had that experience time and time again throughout my life. So uh, very extraordinary stuff. Uh, we... Uh, we we in this life, you know, we we work towards trying to understand. And that's part of what this program is about, understanding where another person is coming from, where these ideas come from, these these guides that we are talking about right now. We all have them and we have multiples. Yeah. And you've shared with us a bit about how to and, and it, it really is just the question of if you will, uh, I could go out on the hillside where I live and, and just say, hey, you know, uh, I, I need some information here. But what I find fascinating is that an individual will seek out another human being who is a, a channel, uh, an intuitive, if you will, and the words that I choose. Uh, and they'll say, hey, I need, I need some guidance here. Can you help me? What is your Observation, if you will, or your perspective, when it comes to us, instead of seeking out our guides uh, for that information, which we all can do, we seek out the the the, uh, the guidance, if you will, uh, of a human, if you will, a human channel, or as I said, an intuitive, who has just as many filters and just as many life experiences that kind of may or may not inhibit if you will that information coming through them and it and like i said you know god can call me collect i'll take the call i don't need you to tell me god said even though it's been shared with me well maybe you're you know shut down on that particular area and god can't get through um can you share with us your your observations on all of that
1: Wow, this is such a big topic, and there's so many different observations. So the first thing that I would really like to reiterate is that every single person is a unique individual, and making generalizations is dangerous. And so everything that I say might not be true in a particular situation. Does that make sense?
0: It does, yes, absolutely.
1: So that having been said, here are some thoughts. First about intuitives in my observation we are at a pivotal time in humanity Up until now through the throughout <laughs> Human history, whether recorded or what came before recorded history, we have been tribal. We have been a tribal species. Our our survival has been dependent upon bonding with others, by and large, by and large, throughout human history. And so our intuition has historically been trained to be focused outward into the world around us, toward those other people. Often intuitives have trained themselves to see the future, just like forward, and I can do that, but that isn't what matters most. You see, all of these horizontal focal points are not the same as learning what we learn in the lightworkers healing method which is how to become channels for the divine on earth we learn how to be a solid presence for spirit in the world by taking what we call our intuitive channels our little sensing mechanisms our antenna we point them up to the guides and it's a process of doing that and i have we've had hundreds of people come through our classes and i've watched people come in who have worked as psychics and their channels are strong and well developed and pointed Out And so they've got to do some heavy lifting to reach up to source, you see. But they can. They can. Other people, for example, can be real pure channels in their own private meditations, but they have no earth energy coming up. And so while in their meditations it can be very clear to them what they're supposed to do in their lives, they step out into the world and bam, life hits them and they get confused and turned around. Many people who have beautiful relationships with spirit have very ineffective lives have you noticed that and it's because they have these beautiful open connections to spirit but they don't have strong upward rising earth energy to anchor that into the three-dimensional world to anchor it into their lives so that they can live effective and powerful vessels for spirit in the world that's what we teach people to do how to be effective vessels spirit in the world and hold the light and richard when when, that means punching through the astral planes which are a mixed bag and they have a lot of fear and confusion and getting through them connected to source while grounded in 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 the planet while grounded in and on the planet so that's my first category of thought is about the intuitives themselves and then the second category of thought is us as individuals, and I touched on this. These people who have beautiful clarity for themselves, but then get confused. You know those people, right?
0: Oh yeah, very much so.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so they can; those people can access source. But let's talk about the other people. They can access source, but many of many of them have troubles living effectively with that source access. Then there's a whole separate category of people who are afraid of God, you see, maybe because of their childhood training, maybe because of a lot of other things, and they do not want to listen, you see, they don't want to listen to source, because they're, here's what often happens, (coughs) There's a story in metaphysical communities, for example, that life should be easy, that when you're on your right path you should be in the flow and everything should just fall into place. But who made that rule up? That which simultaneously inspires us and scares the dickens out of us, that's what our life path is, because our path is for growth and for becoming more, for living joyfully, and joy happens as we grow. So we can put our intuitive focus up on our go- to our guides and say, what should I do? And they tell us to do something really scary, like, for example, sell your CPA practice and start an energy healing practice. And at that point, if you're like me, you would say, I can't hear my guidance. <laughs> la, 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 I can't hear you. <laughs> because <laughs> because it's scary, you see? And so people get into these dark points in their lives and they feel abandoned by their guides or by God or however they label divinity. And that's not what's going on. What's going on is Source and their guides are shouting, shouting at them, but they have their hands over their ears because it's scary.
0: Well, it's something that we can't overcome. There's no question about it. And uh, through the work that you do and teaching that you do, people can find out more through the book that you've written as well, the Lightworkers Healing Method. And uh, of course, you also have a website, Light the uh, Lightworkers Method dot com. That is the uh, web address. We are linked to your website as well, and we encourage people to check you out as well. In terms of uh, if this resonates, as uh, I mean, I've often I've often put it in this context, uh, Lynn, when suggesting that people uh, check out our guests' information and and uh, resources. What have you got to lose? Right. You know. Um. You know. And 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 the majority of my guests have a lot of free things on their website. Uh, you have a couple too. of you have a few chapters as well as some audio. And so there's there's and we much have
1: an 80 minute class for free. There's a lot of free yeah. resources. On so
0: website. you can actually experience these things in the privacy of your own home with the Internet in the way that it is now and and see what works for you. And if it doesn't, hey, well, then stay away from it. You know, you don't need to go. It's we, we what we do here uh, every week is we lay out a a giant table and it's a smorgasbord. And we encourage you to come and take what you want. Just leave the rest. Someone else will come along and they'll 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 take that. Um, If it doesn't work for you, put it back. If it does, keep it. You know, and and get more if you if you want. Um, I think that that's that's really important for people to realize that it's always there for them.
1: Yes, and what? Thank you, and thank you for emphasizing. This is a buffet. Yeah. <laughs> buffet, Take what you want When people come to our website I encourage them to go straight for those videos They're, they're all free Go watch the videos Because we can talk about this for days And it yes. won't have the same impact as Just watch one of those demonstrations mm-hmm. Of one of these healings yeah. Watch one
0: Before we wrap up our program I have uh, three questions That I put to each one of my guests And um, I'm always interested in uh, the answers that uh, I receive. And so to that end, as we uh, come close to the end of our program, who is Lynn McGonigal?
1: I'm a channel for higher dimension healers. Uh, I live my life according to Buddhist monastic code in the Thich Nhat Hanh order. I order. That was my original plan for this stage of my life. But when I started to look into it seriously about ten years ago, I discovered that by the time my children didn't need me anymore, I would be too old for their order. And I understand that they need to put their money into younger people. But that's how I live my daily life. And then on top of that, I channel angels and guides for my living, and I teach other people how to do the same thing. I can't imagine a better way to live, hmm. not a normal
0: way. Certainly. And uh, I think that in our in our day and age, uh, for us to choose these different, um, we'll call them modalities, whether they be of healing or otherwise, uh, it would not be considered normal by uh, normal sor- social uh, standards, if you will. Uh, and though you've probably addressed this to some degree throughout the program today, What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now?
1: (laughs) You're going to out me, aren't you? (laughs) No, 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 no.
0: These aren't about outing. (laughs) (laughs) You reveal what you want. (laughs)
1: No, it's fine. What I hope to achieve, and this is, please, don't hear this as ego, because the faith of a child can change the world, and I have the faith of a child. I have 100% faith, and with that I know all things are possible. I know all things are possible. There are truly no limits, you see, and so my goal is to do my part, my tiny little part, my faith-filled part, to help the divine plan manifest here on earth and not at some vague unspecified point in the future, but by January 17th, 2017, because work expands to fill the time allowed. And if we don't have a deadline, it doesn't get done. So on our website, we have a section called find joy Mm. and in find joy, you can find the Soul Plan Challenge, which talks about what it means to committing to finding and living your own soul path, and then, if you wish to, to do more to help the greater good.
0: Absolutely. Lynn McGonigal, I want to thank you so much for sharing your time with us here on the program.
1: Thank you, Richard. It's been a real joy.
0: Lynn McGonigal is my guest. The title of the book is The Lightworker's Healing Method and The Lightworker's Uh, the method.com lightworkersmethod.com and we encourage you to go there check out uh, what Lynn has shared with us here on the program I'm Richard Dugan you've been listening to tell me your story new paradigms for a new world we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true until next Saturday at this same time I'm Richard Dugan your host love to